With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is ACAST Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. So without further ado... BBC Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck, Chris Woff, our Chief Sports Writer, Lee Ryder, uh, Sean McCormick coming up here, and NUFC Editor Mark Douglas. Uh, the first stage will be about transfers. I know we've not had much positivity over the last few weeks. Um, but I mean, I, I suppose we'll start with you, Lee. The good news being that Newcastle are very close to making their first signing of the winter window? No, we hope so. I mean, he's meant to be on his way for the medical. Uh, they managed to mess one transfer up yesterday uh, when he decided to go to Monaco instead of coming to Newcastle. Um, but hopefully that deal gets done and it's a, a body through the door, it's a bit of cover, but let's be honest, I'm looking around, I can't see too many people celebrating that signing. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, they do need to pull something else out of the bag, there's no doubt about that. I mean, over to you, Chris. Uh, this is kind of a question that many people will be asking. This one's come from John Kane. It's, are there any immediate plans on transfers other than Lukaku to ensure survival? Because it is going to take more than just one left-back coming in to, to really ensure Newcastle pay Premier um, League well, football next Well, it depends what you mean by plan. Is there, does Rafa Benitez have a plan as to what he would like? Yes, he does. He's had transfer uh, targets identified for a long while. He's had them in the club. He's spoken... Uh, to Lee Charnley and, and the powers that be in Newcastle United and ask for players to arrive. Obviously, everyone knows Miguel Almiron. Well, he is and has been Rafa's top target. There's been discussions since probably about six weeks now, maybe longer, nearly two months. Start of December, Newcastle have known the price. Uh, they've made an offer, hasn't been accepted, and still that one's on the table, but no closer. So Rafa would like an attacking midfielder. He also wants a winger. Uh, Jordan Lukaku is, is an option who comes in as, as a wing-back, left-back. Was he first choice? I don't think so. But at the moment, it's, it's whether the club can deliver the reinforcements Benitez thinks he needs. I suppose, Matthew, people might ask, why have they just been negotiate, negotiating with Atlanta over Almiron for the last six weeks? Because we know this window is coming, and it's not against the realm's prospect that clubs go out and actually try and sort something out before the winter window. It's not the case that the manager's disorganised with the approach to transfers because they knew his targets probably in November or early December, Almiron being the top target for 
what's been a problem position for quite some time. I mean, remember after promotion to the Premier League, Rafa Benitez wanted someone for that number 10 role. Perez has played there to varying degrees of success. Diame's been in there, but his best work's been back in midfield. They haven't had a solution for that position for some time. And you could even argue in the championship there were issues there because it was Perez and Diame sharing that role, really. Um, that's been the one that he wanted to get done. They've obviously been working, in inverted commas, on it for a while, but the finance involved in that deal, because of the way Newcastle work, just means, I think, that it represents such a massive risk because other Premier League clubs would probably pay, what, upwards of £15 million, £20 million for a player like that who doesn't have Premier League experience and think nothing of it. But Newcastle, well, that would be significant, wouldn't it? Because that would be a transfer record for them. There's all the add-ons, the agents' fees, the wages, not a problem for other clubs, but because of the way Newcastle do or don't do business, it's an issue. And the manager's really frustrated about that one. It's probably going to go down to the wire, you think. Atlanta have signed a player today, which means they've got four designated players and they can only have three. And what that means is they're players outside the, the salary cap or the financial rules. So you can have three players on a big transfer fee or on high wages outside the rest of the squad. So that could push Almiron closer to the exit door, but will that be to Newcastle? Well, maybe the, the cost would have to come down. And just touching on what Lee said as well about Lukaku, left-back's been a problem position for years. I know Alan Pardew got stick for bringing on two or three subs to play left-back in one game, but they've struggled for options in that role as well. And how many targets have they gone through to get to Jordan Lukaku, who looks like he might be a fix for a few months? I guess, Sean, though, we talked about Number 10, we've talked about a left-back, but the past few weeks has really shown just how thin that squad is. And it's not just those two positions that Benitez wants to, you know, to get more players in and not just those two positions that Newcastle need to get reinforcements in for. Yeah, definitely. It's been a problem position for a long time now, number 10 rule, as, as Matthew said just before. Um, obviously, Diarmi and Perez played there. Diarmi's now moved further back, playing a bit more in midfield. And I think it's one that, you know, if Newcastle sign Miguel Almiron, regardless of what the fans will know about him, it'll give the place a bit of a lift, you know. It could represent a club record fee. He's a player who's done very well in the MLS. You know, he's always in the all-star team. He's helped Atlanta to win the MLS. Um, you know, he's a player who will give the give the place a whole lift because it's a position Rath Benitez wants to bring in. You know, he represents a huge potential. He's still only 24, so, you know, he, he can always improve. And I think it just shows the ambition. Rafa Benitez has said that Miguel Almiron is his, his, his number one target this month. Go out and deliver it, you know. The designated player situation could come into Newcastle's hands, play at their advantage. You know, they've got four, they need to get rid of three. You look at the other players there. Joseph Martinez has just signed a new contract, who's one of the other designated players at Atlanta. They've just signed someone River Plate, so they're not going to get rid of him. The only other player there is a youngster who's Ezekiel Barco, who could potentially go out on loan, but... It costs a lot of money for someone to go on loan. You know, it's not going to be one of those three. They need to get rid of Miguel Almiron. I think his agent's been trying to get him other moves. I think earlier this week, I was reading reports that he's been offered to a number of teams in the league, and nobody wants to take a chance of him. So it, it seems at this age stage, it could potentially be Newcastle a bus for Almiron, and there could be you know a solution, a positive solution. I hope for Newcastle fans and for Rafa Benitez that he is the man that comes in before the transfer deadline. Fingers crossed, Mark. I mean, this is a, another question that I suppose uh, many people would have asked. Um, but how much is it to do with Mike Ashley, or is it down to Lee Charney that we are in this position 
with less, what, like a week to go, and we see no one come through the door. I think that's, I think that's one of the big problems with Newcastle United at the moment. <clears throat> I think that's one of the big problems with Newcastle at the moment. It's never entirely clear whether it's Mike Ashley or Lee Charnley or Justin Barnes or Rafa Benitez who has the final say on transfers. The, the, the structure of the club is so difficult to kind of, you know, unravel really. And I think that's one of the things that Rafa Benitez gets so frustrated about. You can get an answer on some things, but, you know, if sometimes, he, sometimes it'll be, well, Lee Charnley will say, you know, don't do this. And sometimes it'll go to Mike Ashley and sometimes it'll be Justin Barnes. And I think he's found the, the structure of the club very, very difficult to deal with because he sort of feels as if sometimes I think there's always an excuse for not doing that deal. If it's not the transfer fee, then it's the wages. If it's not the wages, then it's the agent's fee. And I've, I've always felt that the power lines at Newcastle United are not really well-defined enough because Mike Ashley will tell the high court, as he did um, last year, I don't have anything to do with Newcastle United transfers. I'm the last person who knows about them. But then we'll be told three months down the line that Mike Ashley's away on holiday. So that's why things aren't being done at the moment. And it's definitely true that Mike Ashley has the final say in terms of giving the green light on budgets and things like, and things like the final transfer. So I would say this is a big, big part of the problem. Lee Charnley is an employee of Mike Ashley, so I think that he, his job is to effectively put in place what he's told to do by Mike Ashley. Rafa Benitez, who worked with him at the start and was told, you know, at the start it was what Rafa wants, Rafa gets. That has slowly, slowly eroded. And I think what's interesting is that although, you know, the Alan Pardew Claxon earlier, I, you know, I come out in a cold sweat hearing that name because we had some fun with him. But I'll say this, he had the same issues. Steve McLaren had the same issues. It's all about recruitment policy. Rafa is the one manager who's come into Newcastle United and said, I won't work with players who are given to me. Alan Pardew did it and I think ended up paying the price. Steve McLaren did it and didn't last very long. And Rafa Benitez will not do that. So that's why players don't come in. If Rafa turned around and said, okay, well, I'll take him. You're, you're saying he's, he's worthwhile. He could get players in. But the fact is he won't do that because he's got a certain type of player that he wants. And, um, and that's why the players don't come in. It's, it's very much a case of who blinks last in the, when it comes to transfers. Chris, can you just elaborate a bit more on that transfer policy? Because I think a lot of fans are wondering just how it works in terms of who makes the decisions. And, and is there money to spend or is there no money to spend? And can you just give us your insight? In terms of to do with the budget, everyone asks about the budget. Do, do Newcastle United have money? Well, everyone we speak to says there is. All of the figures, I'm sure a lot of you have seen overnight where Newcastle are the 19th richest club in the world, according to Deloitte. All those figures suggest there should be money to spend, um, and there is, but the problem is, in terms of the budget, Rafa Benitez keeps on asking and says, what I would like is, you tell me I have X amount of money to spend this month, say if he needs to sign three players, he can then work out, say if it's, just, this is me plucking a number out of the air, but say if it's 30 million pounds, Rafa thinks, right, I can sign three 10 million pound players. But the club keeps saying to him, no, don't think of it like that. Don't think of it that you've got a specific budget. We will determine, each individual player on their merits and then pick a figure on from that. So in theory, we may have 30 million, but you may have 50 million. If it's two players for 25 million, we think it's worth taking the risk on. We keep being told that the transfer uh, record, which has stood since 2005 with Michael Owen, could and will go if the right player comes along. As of yet, that hasn't happened. There was a club record bid for Alassane Player during the summer. 
I haven't quite got that with Almiron, but it's nearly there, just below the figure. So in theory, there is money there, but the problem is that the players that Benitez wants, seemingly the club don't want, and it's this vicious circle where it just keeps going round and round and round. On to the next topic, I mean, Paul Marshall has asked, what about a striker? And Lee, I guess, Rondon, again, it's, it's another example of how much Benitez has had to struggle. The club didn't want to do that permanently. They've, he had to scrape and battle to get that one in. He's been proven right because Rondon is, is proven a real asset. Um, I mean, but Newcastle do need another striker because, no disrespect to Hosselu, he's not very good. Well, you know, I think... Well, do you not agree? I think it's it's one of them, and I'm, I'm not saying Oslo is any good, but he was bought in for £5 million, which is absolutely nothing these days. Uh, I think he was about Rafa's seventh choice or something like that on the list. So he's come in and he's tried to to do a job, and I think he is doing his best. Um, but, you know, Rondon is another one where Rafa had to fight to get him. I still can't see Newcastle paying the £16 million or whatever it'll be at the end of the season. I think... <laughs> You're asking about a striker there. I mean, the problem is they cost money. And Newcastle just don't want to pay any money. They're just trying to get through as, as quick as they can with loans. Uh, come the end of every window, there's a big debate over how much money is to spend. We've seen the, the money league today, Newcastle are in the top 20 in the world. There really is no excuse. I mean, the, the fans have got every right to chant, you know, where's the money gone? And it, it's that's the big problem at the club at the moment. So... We try and ask the questions. I know people try and suggest that we don't have the right access, but when we do get in there, we do ask the club what, what's going on and we keep getting told the same stuff. There's money available, but every transfer window, we seem to be back in this same position and uh, with less than a week to go, it's not looking very good. It's, it's not at all. Uh, Matthew, I mean, from what I understand, Benitez's kind of take on it is why spend five million every summer when you could spend kind of... 20 million on one striker this summer and then okay don't have to spend that five million on a, a sub-average striker next summer and the summer after and that would make more sense but i mean to you does that does that make does that make sense should, is that what the club should be doing look at what benitez has done with what he's spent which isn't much by premier league standards how much more would it have taken across the four transfer windows now since promotion to have this squad stronger and better with enough options in each position 100 million, 25 million across each window. You know, Newcastle have recouped that money by being in the Premier League. They've made that money in transfer sales. They're paying a manager a lot of money, and it almost seems like a waste. They've got a fantastic opportunity in front of them to trust one of the most decorated managers, a manager with, you know, renowned throughout the world for what he can do. We've seen what he can do with the squad and the players that he's got. And yet his judgment isn't being trusted, really. Um, and when it comes to the, the numbers and, and the signings, in some ways you have to give the club a little bit of credit, maybe begrudgingly, because Martin Dubravka on loan and then £4 million. It's fantastic. It's a great goalkeeper, I think we all agree. Fabian Scher for three, three and a half million is a really good signing. Federico Fernandez, what was it, about four or five million pounds, a rare deadline day signing for Newcastle, has worked. That's done well. That's the good side. But you can't have that every time. You can't get a bargain each time you go into the transfer market because it, it's just not the way other clubs work. They don't want to give their good players away for so little. And I think fans would probably be more inclined to accept that approach of getting players for two, three, four, five, six million pounds 
if you also went and spent £20 million on a Nathan Ake like Benitez wanted after promotion and Bournemouth got him, and you go and spend £20 million on James Madison, who goes from Norwich to Leicester and has been brilliant mostly in the Premier League this season, it's got to be a mix, it's got to be a balance. You can trust Steve Nixon and the scouting team and all the work that Benitez does, and he does a hell of a lot of work in identifying players in all price brackets. If you let them have a few bargain signings, fine, they can get them, but have some bigger ones as well. Trust the manager, trust his judgment, because when Ake goes from Bournemouth, he'll go for more than 20, and when Madison moves on from Leicester, he'll go for a hell of a lot. How much is, with the greatest of respect, and these are good players, Cher going to go for in three or four years' time? How much is Fernandez going to go for? Newcastle, by spending a bit, taking a bit of a risk, and they seem risk-averse in the transfer market, would bring more money in over time, make themselves richer by signing big and then selling for even more. Oh, definitely. I mean, for all that, you know, we, we talk about the negatives. Rondon is a massive positive, Sean. And people might dispute this, but he was top of Rafa's list. And the frustration was more born out of the fact that we had to wait so long to get that deal done. I mean, what has impressed you about him? This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. I think it's, it's, it's been his all-round hold-up play. You, you watch him, particularly in home games. I mean, at the weekend, he was against Cardiff, against Bruno Aquilia Manga and Saul Bamba, who are two massive, massive defenders. And Rondon held them off for the whole game. And it's not even just his hold-up play. You know, you, 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 it's more about him, more than just being strong. You, you, his first touch is always immaculate. He's always looking to bring players into the game. And he just, he's just given Newcastle a, a dimension they didn't have that season. You know, Hosselu for is is decent in the air. He is decently strong, but you give the ball away too cheaply. Rondon very rarely does that. And what's also impressive about him is the graft he puts in off the ball. And I think that's what Benitez really likes about him as well. I think there's a few occasions this season where he's lost the ball. He's chased all the way back to to the edge of our own box and. He may not have won the challenge, but it shows that he's willing to put in the effort for the team. And yes, he doesn't score every week, but I think he's done. He's got a decent return so far this season in terms of his goal scoring. Um, it's been good to see him now. He's had a run after. I mean, when he first came in, he had a few fitness issues, but now he's been in the team. Now he's consistently got a run. He's impressed in front of goal, and I mean, he gets very little opportunity. To be fair, I mean, what Newcastle lack a lot of creativity, but when he gets the chances, he more than often takes them. And I think you know. The header against Watford, I think it was, or Bournemouth, I can't remember which one it was now, but it was like watching Les Ferdinand in the 90s, you know, the way he rose on the air, powered the ball past the goalkeeper, and it's been a while since Newcastle have been able to get excited about a forward like that, and I think Rondon's brought that, and as the guys have said, it's proven that Rafa Benitez's judgment, more often than not, is right. And, you know, 
Matthew was mentioning the likes of James Madison there, Nathan Ackley, I think Callum Wilson's another one you can point towards there, you know, there's talk of Chelsea and West Ham going in for him for £50 million pounds this summer and, you know, if they'd gotten that deal over the line when, you, you know, he was coming back from injury, injury issues of his own, you know, who knows what Newcastle could have recouped for that kind of deal. I think it's just more about trusting your manager. You're paying him a hell of a lot of money, you know, and I think that's what, you know, Ashley's defenders in the, in the media, like Sir Tim Shea would have said that, no, actually, Ashley's paying Mavrobinez a lot of money. He's going to coach these players. And well, yeah, he is. You're paying him a lot of money because a world-class manager. He's got a proven track record of improving players. Trust him in the transfer market. As you said, you know, the likes of Fabian Shea, Martin Dubravka, come in for portry fees, but they've been absolutely fantastic. It's not going to work every time because every time you have a Martin Dubravka, you also have a Hossalu or you have a Javi Mankiel who, you know, they try hard, but they're not great. But that's, that's, that's the problem with shopping in the bargain bin. You're not going to be great every time. You're going to get the odd one that doesn't quite work out. But I think on the whole, Rafa's been proven that, you know, he's very good in the transfer market and nobody shows that more than Rondon. Well, certainly. I mean, Mark, do you think Rafa's handling his frustration well we all know when he's been asked about transfers recently it's been a kind of you know i'm not talking about transfers do you think he's handling the frustration well or is it, is it beginning to show i think i think the, the thing about rafa is that and, and the reason i think a lot of us really respect him is because he doesn't lie he doesn't sort of spin i wouldn't say in the way that other managers have i mean he's he, I think what he's done this in this transfer window is the is the right thing. I think he knows that in previous windows it's it's been almost like a broken record. He said the same thing in every press conference, you know, about not getting what he wants and things. And I think he's basically said this time, well, look, I'm just not going to talk about it at all. So I think from that perspective, he's handled he's handled it well. I think my feeling was he was laying on a little bit thick with the miracle comment. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't think that was the right message to put out at the time, and I didn't think. I didn't really think that it will be a miracle if Newcastle stay up. So I, I kind of took issue with that. I didn't think that was necessarily right, but he, he was adamant that that's what he meant, and 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 I think that was a message for. Personally, I think that was a message for the supporters to almost say, "Well, look, you know, you need to know how how much work we're doing and all this." But I felt he went a little bit too far there. But for the most part, he's been absolutely first class he's been flawless in terms of the message the things he said and and the disappointment for me is that we're not getting the full Rafa at the moment I felt like we were for the first two years we were getting you know Rafa would talk up the club he'd talk about what he could do and I think now it's almost like he, he talked you know when he when he's asked can you win something it's almost like well you know we can in theory if we do things the right way and and that's the big frustration but I think he's been pitch perfect in the way he's done things and for all the people out there who aren't from Newcastle say he complains all the time. Well, he just gets on with it. He didn't have to stay for a start. He could have gone to other jobs. We know now that the clause that there was in there has, has, has fallen away. He could have gone to China in the summer. He could have gone to China in the last few few months as well. So Rafa committed to this job in the summer. He committed to the job in the summer before, knowing, I think, that it would be a very, very hard ask so I don't think you can you can fault the man. Um, you know, yes, he he is political. He makes he makes his points very clear. And but that's he's a very intelligent man. He's a very sharp man. He's he's not going to dedicate a win to Mike Ashley like his like one of his predecessors did because he probably sits there thinking, well, Mike Ashley told me I could have every penny to spend, so I'm not going to dedicate it to him because he hasn't helped me in the way that I wanted him to. And you know, you can't really argue with that. 
Lee, how important was the meeting this week or the brief encounter that Mike Ashley had with Benitez after the, the win against Cardiff? Talk of a, a transfer summit this week. Um, do you foresee positives coming out of that? Well, I think we've, we've have seen already a couple of loan deals pushed forward, but I'm not. Again, I'm not. Sorry, guys, but I'm not going to get excited about a couple of loan players coming in when I know there's huge amounts behind the scenes to be spent. So it is, it's a step in the right direction, but Rafa wanted the transfers done on January the 1st, January the 2nd, and here we are, we're, we're still waiting. There's games that have gone by where they probably could have got something out of them. Um, you could have had one less game in the FA Cup in terms of the replay. You could have got that one first time uh, with an improved team had those signings been made. But it's hard to be positive about it because at the end of the day, Rafa's contract is up very soon. Um, he's down to 15 Premier League games. And unless this, unless this is sorted soon, then everyone's just going to make their own conclusion on it. He's been let down in the last four windows. Uh, and really, you know, Mike Ashley, has he been fully straight with everyone with the sale of the club? Hard, hard to say. Um, Rafa's not going to hang around forever. He's going to look at other opportunities. And sadly, you know, it, it's looking a bit ominous. Certainly is. We are going to talk about Rafa's future and the takeover in the second part because I don't really want to depress you too much in this first half. Um, Chris, uh, Bob, I mean, I'm trying on now. Bob Mills um, asks, why does it always take the club so long to complete um, the deals? I mean, off the top head, you can you look at Florian Lejeune. I mean, that took way too long. Um, Fabian Shea, another one. Uh, it is, it is, it's unbelievable how long it takes them to get these deals, especially when there was a release clause in them. Yeah, the Lejeune and Cher ones were, were quite uh, extreme, really. I mean, Lejeune, I think, almost thought that the transfer wasn't going to happen because there wasn't contact for the best part of two months, I think, after uh, Nick Rafa had first spoken to him and said, do you want to come to Newcastle? And they knew that the price was about, I think it was about 8.8 .8 million at the time. The same with Cher, but Newcastle tried to haggle it down, so there's that one element. I think this window is slightly different. Uh, part of the issue this month has been clearly the club have decided that loan deals is the way forward. In January, loans tend to go through later on than they do early in the window. You don't get too many in Newcastle for the, the Martins deal, which is now not going to happen. Had to wait for uh, the Higuain deal and then the domino effect that that happened afterwards where you had players moving left, right and centre, Morata is going to go and then eventually Martins would have been available. So. This is, this is the issue Newcastle are dealing in a way whereby I, I just don't think they've caught up with where the market is now. Unfortunately, the market is inflated, vastly inflated on what it was three or four years ago. But that is the reality of the situation. That is the market Newcastle have to deal in. They have substantial amount of money behind the scenes. Yes, they did lose a lot by, by going down in that they were in a real financial state about 12, 18 months ago. But they've been in the Premier League, back in the Premier League for 18 months now. They got a big lump sum in the summer of about 50 million. They're due one of about 40 odd million this month. At some stage, they need to spend the money, regardless of whether they think that the deal is expensive or whatever. The perfect deal is not going to be there every time. And at some stage, you have to take a bit of a risk, because in my opinion, it's more of a gamble not to invest this month and potentially go down than it is to spend money and uh, make sure you stay in the Premier League, even if a player doesn't turn out to be the value that you end up paying for them. I mean, Matthew, why are the club continually playing that gamble? Is it partly this month you think 
they were hoping that, I mean, we are going to talk about takeovers, but I've, I've gone this far, so um, that Peter Kenyon was going to come in with a consortium, or is it just that they think that they can kind of, I don't want to say manipulate the market, but they can they can name their price and think that clubs will say, well, yeah, okay. Because it was the other way around. If someone came in for Lascelles and the club went 50 million and they came come back with 30, the club were probably just going to say, well, you know, no, the, the price is 50, so why doesn't it work the other way around? It's really hard to know, isn't it? Um, because that is that is the way Newcastle United is. It, it, it is a bit of a riddle. I think we talk in there about transfers and money. They pay up front for players when they buy them, don't they? I think Lee Charnley said this at the fans' forum meetings, but when they receive transfer fees, they get the money in instalments. So... Um, they get more, but over a longer period. So, like when we talk about the championship season, we think profit of 30 million, but the clubs say, well, it's, it was only about 2 million because they were still getting the money for Sissoko and Wijnaldum. And it's, it, it's that, isn't it? When they buy, they try really to get the price down as much as they can, but when they sell, they want it to go up and up and up. And they're obsessed with a bargain when they're buying, but getting as much money out of a deal as possible when they're selling and and obviously in January it's it's often said that prices are higher and that uh, the market's even more inflated I would like to see the stats though to see whether that's just right or whether that's just a nice throwaway line now because it probably used to be the case but and not a lot of business has been done but but it, it, is that really so in January now I mean Newcastle when they went down uh, three years ago signed Shelby and Townsend for about 12 million each both probably represented good value for money. They got their money back and a bit more on Townsend. Shelby has been an important player for the club. It's just, it's a curious approach, isn't it? And it is really hard to work out. And as I said, at times you have to give the club credit for getting those good deals, getting those bargains. But at the same time, you almost want to criticise them for not going and getting the right deals, the right players for the club. Um, did the takeover have any bearing or potential takeover or non-takeover? It, it's, it's really hard to know. It's deja vu, isn't it? We were here at this time last year. Kennedy came in about, about this time last January, couldn't play in the Cup against Chelsea, made his debut on deadline day when they did their other two signings, both loans. Like Kennedy, as you said, Chris, loans happening later in the window in Newcastle doing their business, probably loans later in the window again. I mean, Sean, uh, Matthew mentions there that the, the, the inflated prices or the claim that prices in January get inflated. But I guess the argument back would be that, well, you should go out and do your business in the in the summer and then you wouldn't have to play these supposed inflated prices. It's not even in the summer. You know, Rafa Benitez has wanted the number 10, the left back, for, for, for as far as I can remember, the last three transfer windows at least. And I mean, it, you know, it could be good news that Jordan Lukaku is possibly coming in on loan. I don't want to knock the lad, but, you know, he's, he's a Belgian international, which sounds great, but... Belgium have notoriously struggled for left-backs over the years. In the World Cup, they were playing the likes of Nasser Chadli there, Carrasco there, who are both wingers. I mean, it's good that Newcastle can have options there because we need cover for Paul Dummett, as he's been out now. Matt Ritchie's had a deputise at left, left wing-back, and, you know, Matt Ritchie's been brilliant for Newcastle. He was fantastic in the championship season. Always gives 100%. You, you can't ever credit, uh, knock him for his, for his work rate, but... He's not a left wing back, and you can see at times he's getting frustrated by playing there. Rafa Benitez is constantly on the show, on the on the on the sidelines at home games, particularly. We can see him from the press box, constantly telling them to get in a position, keeping them right because he's not used to playing there. Yes, John Lukaku is going to come in and, and play there, but I just don't think it, it it you know provides the excitement we're wanting for 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 a new left back coming in. It's a loan deal. We've mentioned before it could go well, but it could go it could go 
wrongly as well. He's been injured for a long, long time. It's a, it's a gamble. Even you know, it may not be financially a gamble, but it's still a gamble. There's a player who has played very little football over the last few years, and even when he got in the Belgium squad, as I've said there, there was very little options at left back. He was playing for Ustende, who are a mid-table side in the Belgium Duke of the League, which isn't the greatest stand anyway. I mean, I really hope he comes in and does a job for Newcastle, but it's just, it's not the, the sign that's going to fill anybody with, with, with excitement, as Lee mentioned before, and they're taking far too many gambles in the transfer window. They're not, they're not paying the prices that clubs want, you know. Almer, the Almiron deal could have been tied up a long time ago. We've mentioned Lejeune, they haggled over that, that was only 8.8 .8 million. I mean, why are you haggling over that? He's proven to be an absolutely top-class defender for Newcastle, I think. The difference he's made since he's come back on the side has been really, really apparent. Um, bringing it on the ball, and again, just trust Rafa Benitez. You know, we don't want to pay over the odds, but at the same time, you're going to have to. And forget a player, Almiron's ilk, it's a player who the Newcastle need. He needs a new number 10. Perez needs competition. We desperately need creativity in midfield. Go out and pay it. You know, I don't, I don't think it's massively, massively overpriced. What I mean, Atlanta are asking for 30 million. They can probably haggle that down a bit. But in the modern day, for a quality Premier League number 10, you're going to have to pay that kind of money. Certainly. Uh, Mark, I mean, I'm going to give you the tough question, or maybe the easy question, but now you look, look at it. Where has the money gone? Yeah, tough question. <laughs> well, going back to what Chris said, uh, we... So we, uh, we put this question to Newcastle United and their response was um, that there is still money available to, spe to, to spend in the transfer market if, if we and Rafa can get around the table and, um, and, and, and agree on the targets. Now, that would be a, a more believable thing to, to hear if there was ever a, a player who ticked all those boxes. I mean, I think to be fair to the club, when you look at the accounts in the championship, they were, they were difficult. So you'd probably say, I could understand the first year that they came back, why maybe there wasn't as much money as, as you know, they expected. Although Rafa Benitez was expecting the money to be there. So you know, the, the problem there was, I think, communication. He, he understood something that the club didn't, didn't say. But where the money is now, it's in the club's bank account, is the simple answer. And my fear, my real fear is that the, the, the thing that's preventing them from uh, from spending the money is that they, the Rafa Benitez situation, they will not give him money to spend because they feel that, look, they know that it will be um, carnage if he goes. And I think they're thinking in the back of their minds, if we can get the next manager in, if, he, if Rafa goes, they do say they want to keep Rafa. If we get the next manager in and give him a budget, it might take the edge off some of the, the criticism. So that, that's one of my fears. Which I think is, you know, I think it's totally ridiculous, to be honest, because Rafa's the man. Rafa, I think, would will take Newcastle United forward. Um, the other thing is that Mike Ashley's repaying some of his loans that he loaned the club in the Championship season. We know that um, the club have confirmed that as well. When we asked the club whether that was having an impact on the transfer fund, they said not to the extent that it's stopping us from signing players. Um, they their insistence is that the money is there and that it's the money for the right players. The, the frustrating thing is that we uh, that we'll have to wait until the accounts until we can make a, a fuller judgment, and those accounts are a year out of date. But if the club, if the club turn around and say there's money in the bank, then that should be reflected in the next set of accounts. And how stupid is that going to look in the summer if the accounts come out? 
they're in the championship, which is a, a very much a, a possibility. They've not got Rafa there, and they've got a profit in the bank, which is what's which is what happened all the time leading up until the Steve McLaren season when they ended up getting relegated. So the answer that we've been told is that the club that there is money there. Um, my suspicion is that uh, the wage bill. Uh, they feel that the wage bill was was too high in the championship season. They wanted to take some of that money off. Now, I feel, you know, if you look at the wage bill in comparison to other teams around where Newcastle are, it's not that much. Um, they're not asking, nobody in this room, I think, is, is asking Mike Ashley to, to put in three, four hundred, five hundred million. They wouldn't be able to anyway for financial fair play. But just allow Rafa to spend the money that they've made from the Premier League prize money. We know for a fact that they that they are... Um, they made over £100 million in prize money, in TV money, in facility fees and things like that. Of course, some money has to go out because um, you know they pay bonuses and things like that. But there should reasonably be... I mean, we did a piece where we got independent financial experts to, to have a look at the accounts. And they said that the, um, it should be £37 million available to spend on transfer fees alone. That's not including wages and things like that. So Rafa should have a budget of around £40 million in this transfer window alone. So where is that money going is a, is a very, very valid question. Now, we've been told, the fans forum have been told that the answer is that the money is there for the right deal. HMV. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that, that's the point, isn't it? That it's, yeah, I mean, that's, the problem is that that's the accusation that's gonna go at the club. Now, we, I don't think that the club's money is being spent on, on Sports Direct. I think that the sports director gets a good deal from the club, and that's part, and that's a big part of the problem. But I, do, but I don't like my feeling is that I, I take them on trust. I don't think the money's being siphoned out um, in other ways. I, I, you know, but it is it, there is no reason why that money shouldn't be spent. It, it's there to be spent on footballers, <laughs> you know, or the training ground or the academy. I mean. No infrastructure investment at all under Mike Ashley. Um, you know, there's been a bit on the training ground, I think, that, you know, bits, bits and pieces here and there. But, you know, the club have not spent the money that should be there in terms of recruitment. I think the championship season, I think going down that season when Rafa came in has had a massive impact on the finances because um, they have to wipe their own nose, if you will. They have to generate their own money. And that season has had a, probably a bigger impact than maybe we realised at the time on, 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 the, on the club's finances. But there's absolutely no reason when they got promoted, they, they got the finances in order, I think, last season. Um, there's no reason why th th there shouldn't be a spend of at least, I think, 30 to 40 million in the summer on top of what they spent. And there should be around, I think, 30 to 40 million to spend this January. So they've already bid for Almiron. We know they've put 16 million, so there's 60 million pounds there for, for sure. And, you know, the, the package that they've put to Almiron is probably a 15, 16 to 20, probably it'd be another 20, 21 million pounds. So there's that money is there. So it doesn't make any sense not to not to spend it in other ways. You know, I, I, I don't understand that. But the club, the club will insist that the money is there. And, um, you know, we've been told that repeatedly. So we've asked the question and that's what we've been told. And I think if the money isn't spent in the next week, you know, it's going to look incredibly bad for the club. And I think people will form their own judgments and many will be um, cancelling their season tickets. Many will be saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in a club that just exists to exist. And Newcastle are going to have to find a way of justifying what happened um, because they are a club of the people, they're the club of the city, and they need to start listening to what people are saying in the city.
Lee, do you foresee a successful transfer window in the next seven days? I mean, where's the one position that Newcastle need to strengthen no matter what? Well, I mean, just going back to what you were saying there about when you're saying walk away, I think it's fair when they got relegated in 2016 that had they not kept Rafa, I think people would have walked away anyway. I'm pretty, pretty sure of that. So if he doesn't stay this summer and he gets replaced by, who knows, another... Nigel Pearson or someone like that I don't think that's going <laughs> to give anyone any appetite for the fans to come back so it is make or break this window um, Rafa will get other offers <sighs> Lee Charney will be the one who's left to pick up the pieces Mike Ashley will go back to his bunker as he normally does but I just think it will be really sad to see empty seats around St James's Park but it will be inevitable if if they don't keep Rafa and they get relegated. And just to finish this half, Mark, I'm going to go back to you. We've had a couple of questions on our coverage and we're not afraid to answer these questions because, I've, well, the ones I've seen anyway, because you guys, of course, you know, are, are readers. So, um, well, I mean, the first question, I'm just going to read it out, you know, what it is on the sheet. Do you think we're close to the point where you need to uh, report that the majority of the stories the club leaked to you are lies. Leaked to us. Yeah. Leaked to us. So I think the first thing um, at the moment is that, that that idea that the club are constantly briefing to us and leaking to us is is you know not not accurate. I mean I think they do. Um, we we do have, you know we were banned for a long time uh, for a year and a half, but still we're in contact with the club through other channels there because I think it's important that the local newspaper and the club. Um, are in contact because I think I think we went through the ban period and uh, we, we still got stories and, and, and things like that as well but I think that for me at the moment I think it's people are demanding answers and we either um, and, and we, I think it's really important for us at the moment to try and get the club to actually front up and start talking to and start talking to people again so to say that everything that they leaked to us, it's 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 just not it's just not accurate. The stories that, that Lee did yesterday um, came through, you know, sources from Lee's long experience of of doing this job. They weren't leaked to us by the club. I, I kind of put a few people right on that on on Twitter yesterday because, you know, look, I think if they were leaking stories to us to get positive PR, you'd hope they would be better than the two lads that they linked us with yesterday. Oh, look, Gelson Martins is a good player, but I think we all knew that that was a bit of a long shot. So the club aren't uh, the club don't leak things to us to in order to hoodwink the fans and if we felt that they were doing that we wouldn't want any part in it you know we, we there have been things i think said in the past um to us that we've you know we've probably not run because we felt that you know look that's insulting people's intelligence so we have done that in the past but i think to be fair the people up there the media team up there have always played fair by us 100 percent. and I, i've tried to say look it's not an empire of evil up there there's big problems up there but that we know that the, especially the, the media team, and I'm sure um, Razor will say this as well, working for another media organisation, they do, they do play fair by us. They will tell us, um, they will give us honest answers to stuff. In terms of are they all lies, I don't think necessarily what the clubs say, because when you say the clubs say, you know, look, Rafa, um, I don't know how to best phrase this, but Rafa... Can Rafa looks after himself as well. You know there are there are people uh, around uh, the manager as well who will get his message out as well. So there's there's kind of spin from all sides in in, in some occasions. I I think that what Mike Ashley did on Sky News, you know, we 
I think treated that, uh, you know, we took it at face value and I think possibly looking back, it, you know, didn't, it, to me, I don't think the, the owner should come out and say it's an advanced stage unless it's further on than we subsequently found out that it was. So in terms of us saying it's all lies, I think that would be, the problem is you've just got to judge it on. If, if they lie to us, we will say they've lied to us, but I don't think you can prejudge it and say everything that they say is a lie when we've known in the past that some of the things that they've said have, have come off. Um, you know, they, they told us that they were going to get Rafa. They did get Rafa. Um, they told us that the championship season there was going to be money to spend. That there was money to spend. Um, you know, they told, they've told us this time that um, there's money there available to spend. But they've also told us that, you know, they're going to do loans as well, which is, which is what's happening. So they, they're, not lying. they're not lying all the time. I don't think that's, that's fair. And, you know, when I've gone up to speak to Lee Charnley, um, and we've, you know, I, I did it a long time ago now, I, I would say that I, I felt that he was, um, that, you know, that the things that he said were, you know, were honest. Um, in fact, probably, you know, they were a little bit too honest because they really deflated people, I think, sometimes. I think he, he found that as well. So we will call them out on things that, the things that they say that are wrong. We've done that on the front page in the past. We've done that. We will keep doing that as well. But I understand that people want us to be a little bit harder, I think, on, on some stuff. But if you, if you look at our coverage, I think it is... You know, we like to think we're a critical friend of the football club. So that means, you know, we have to criticise them when they do things wrong. But in terms of prejudging everything that the football club says, we'll end up looking stupid because some of the stuff that they tell us isn't like. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.